Culturally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. It's Al Pickett, the founder of The Black Print, where I help people win in a brave new world through the financial markets, teaching them how to profit consistently through all the financial markets, and I'm here with Verbally Effective and Ina Esco. We all around Memphis, Tennessee right here. We in the mix as well with DJ B.A., a.k.a. No Genre, a.k.a. Brandon Adams, and we on Verbally Effective Podcast with Miss Ina Esco. Let's go. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. We are live in the WYXR studio with some amazing women. Before I jump into the intros, let me tell you guys, this is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. That's right. We're talking all things Memphis. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. And check it out. Today, we're talking all things Indie Memphis. That's right. The 26th Annual Indie Film Festival is October 24th through the 29th, a six-day celebration we're getting all the deets today from the executive director of indie memphis kamel fryer and also kayla myers who is a programmer over there at indie memphis welcome welcome ladies how are you doing good yeah. thank you for having us thank yes you. i'm so glad you ladies are joining me to fill in all the deets about indie memphis i know this is something that everyone looks forward to every year and we're going to get all into those details. But first, I want to start with you ladies with a little background information. Let's start over here with Camille. Camille, what part of Memphis are you originally from? So, okay. Fun fact, my family's actually from Grand Junction, Tennessee. Gotcha. So I'm from the outskirts. Um, and my mom and I moved to Cordova, um, like, I think even when the the mall was like being built, like <laughs> Wolf Chase, when Wolf Chase was really? being built, yeah, I remember like, that. The Target was there, and then everything <laughs> else, it was just dirt. Gotcha, <laughs> it was just dirt and road. And so the um, and so I graduated from Cordova High in mm-hmm. two thousand five, um, and then went to U of M, uh, got my bachelor's in finance from U of M, went to UT, so I moved out, went to Knoxville, got my law degree and MBA. Lived in Detroit for a little while, and then I realized uh, really quickly it's a little cold up there. Oh, just a tad bit. Just a smidge, you know, a little dollar. (laughs) 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 Um, And then I I came back home. Um, But honestly, the the goal was always to come back home. I love Memphis. Um, I always wanted to go out in the world so that I could bring something back. So I'm glad that when I came back, the city uh, welcomed me with open arms. Yes, Memphis does that. Memphis welcomes yeah. you back all the time. We're glad to have you back as well. Kayla, what part of Memphis are you from? I'm actually from a similar part of Memphis as Kamel. My We moved around a bit before um, when I was a kid because my dad was in the military, but my a good team. amount of my family is from Mississippi. But we moved to Memphis when I was six so we could be close enough to my grandparents. And I grew up largely in Cordova, also similar in that area. Um, but Wolf Chase was built when I was growing up. Um, so you didn't have to come for me like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I think it had just been built when we moved to, to to Cordova. And then I went to Germantown for high school and learned a bit about 
production, video production, TV production there that kind of led me on my path to, I got a degree in journalism and digital storytelling at the University of Missouri um, and attended my first film festival there and kind of got introduced to the world of film festivals Mm. um, and met Miriam, who's our artistic director while I was there. And she said, you know, I work for Indie Memphis. Are you at all interested kind of in programming and learning more about this world? And similar to Camilla, I knew I wanted to come back to Memphis at some point. I knew I wanted to be able to learn things outside of Memphis and come back and um, especially like in the artistic community. And so Miriam got me involved in Indie Memphis and kind of my job and my role has developed from there. And um, it's been really beautiful to come back here and be plugged in in the way that we we get to be working for Indie Memphis. Yes, yes. Now, just listening to you, Kayla, I understand where your love and where everything was rooted for film with you. Camille. Yes, ma'am. Because you, you got a whole finance <laughs> law background. Not a half, a whole. A whole. <laughs> <laughs> where did your love for film come from? So when I was younger, I mean, I've always been in the creative spaces. When I was younger, I was in theater. I was in choir. Um, I would paint. I'd write poetry. I'd, I'd even write stories like just for fun right I was that Mm kind of nerd when I was little and so I kind of put it away when I went to college Um, but when I was in Detroit I I think just feeling so isolated from family and then also coming to the realization that this career that I've been fighting for for so long like I needed more Mm. you know and um, when I was talking to my mom about it she was like well you always used to do something in the arts so you know maybe start there and um, I tried out different things and I settled on screenwriting and just kind of getting out some of the frustrations I was dealing with um, in the writing format, but with film. And I was able to connect with the independent film community in Detroit because they, um, I mean, they used to shoot uh, Batman movies up there. Mm -hmm. And so even though they don't even, even though Warner Brothers doesn't shoot there much anymore, it activated the independent film community. It's very strong. It's you go huge. To be all the mm-hmm. films are almost from all of all Detroit. The- <laughs> <laughs> right. When I see the credits, I'm like, Detroit is really, you know, like they a booming film, it. independent film industry. Yeah, they they really have they really have a lot up there, and they have a really uh, a really great community of people that work with each other to create the art, even mm-hmm. though the studios aren't there anymore. And so when I decided to move back to Memphis, I didn't want to lose that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw some flyer, some random place about Indie Memphis. I showed up. I connected with Joseph, who's our managing director. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and Joseph was like, yeah, you, you should talk to this person. This I mean, it was like the most, it felt like home. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was great because, you know, I've been away for so long and I didn't want to lose that spark. And I mm-hmm. come home and the spark was there, right? It was already mm-hmm. here, just kind of yep. waiting for me. So waiting for you. Um, I connected with Indie Memphis because I was making my own films. Mm. Um, so I connected that way and then... I actually had a short that was in the film festival, and I got notified uh, that I had a short um, the same week that I was like interviewing. I, the same week I was in my final interviews for this job. Oh, wow! <laughs> and so, but I didn't say anything because <laughs> you didn't want no conflicts of interest. Is look, it? look, uh, you can't look. You can't just roll up in any Memphis with any kind of film. So, okay. gotcha. <laughs> so getting your film in the in the festival, it, it's kind of it's a big deal. Yeah. And so I waited until I got the job, and I was like, it's okay 
that you know I was, I was like, I don't think the staff knows. And uh, the board of directors were like, no, they don't know and enjoy it because this ain't happening again. Uh, <laughs> you got that short arm in there. Oh, yeah. Got it in. Uh, what was the short about? It's called Something's Off. It's a horror comedy um, about a guy who survives the pandemic uh, but ends up on his first date post-pandemic with a serial killer. Oh, wow. So, a horror comedy. Yep. <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing more horror comedies coming out lately. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. The stakes yeah. are high with comedy and with horror. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of differentiating factors are kind of small, like when you think about it. Like, it usually comes down to the film score or the beats of certain things or, you know, taking certain jokes out and keeping everything the same might turn something straight into a horror film. There mm. was there was an interview with Jordan Peele that he talked a lot about mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'll have to send it to you after this. Send but, it to me. But, yeah, he was basically, someone was questioning him on how he went from comedy to horror, and he was like, actually, a lot of the elements are, like, very similar. Yeah. Um, if you look at the, the heart of it, so, yeah. That's what, that's why people say you have a strange sense of humor or, like, um, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it right, but, like, it's kind of twisted. Oh, yeah. I always get clocked for a dark sense of humor. <laughs> a dark sense of humor. A dark sense of humor. It goes hand in hand. Up. Yep, it does. <laughs> now, how long have you been with Indie Memphis? So I've officially made it a year. A Woo-woo. year. Woo-woo. Congrats, I started October third last year. So And you are the executive director. Yes, and ma'am. I mean you're running stuff and you're a beautiful black woman. Thank and you. I think that is amazing. Has this ever happened before for Indie Memphis? A black woman in this particular role? No, I'm the first black executive director of Indie Memphis and the first black woman. Come on, represent, represent. <laughs> Kayla, how long have you been with Indie Memphis? Another beautiful black woman. Oh, thank in you. In leadership. This will be my fourth festival, so four-ish years and two years full-time with Indie Memphis. Yes, yes. So how does it feel walking through the hallways of Indie Memphis? How's it, how's it going? It's it's good, you know. We're in this very intense festival planning time. Yes, um, it is. And for me personally, it includes um, court recording some of the pre-recorded virtual Q and A's that we do with filmmakers, which is nice to have the virtual aspect of the festival. It's mm-hmm. kind of its own um, concurrent festival with our festival in person, but it gives folks a chance outside of Memphis to experience some of what we'll get to experience here in person and so for so long the programming process is emailing and a lot of just yeah talking to people and giving them their passes and things like that but at this point with recording virtual q a's i'm getting to actually talk to the filmmakers talk to them about their work and really ask the questions that i have been wondering in the entire time that we've been doing the programming process um and now we're at a point you know where we're getting closer and closer and it feels hectic but it also feels really exciting mm-hmm. to actually be able to to platform these filmmakers to platform the work that they have spent a long time working on some some of the films in the festival this year especially in our hometowner blocks filmmakers have been working for the, on them for like five or six years wow um and so to actually be able to be their premiere to be able to create a space for them to talk about the work that they're doing um it's just, it's a really beautiful gift. I feel really grateful to get to do this work and feel um, like I don't take any of it lightly. We don't take any of the choices we make as a programming team lightly whatsoever, in part because, you know, Kamel knows this as a filmmaker, like filmmaking takes a lot out of you. Filmmaking is 
expensive. It's a lot to write something and really figure out what ways does it work, what ways does it not work, and especially for different tastes and interests, because what we find interesting at Indie Memphis, someone else at another festival might think is not worth the time or doesn't fit their particular idea of what um, filmmaking is worth platforming. And we're very open into the different types of styles and approaches that filmmakers have. And so things like production quality, while they're they're nice, they're not like the guarantee to get into the festival or guarantee to be a part of the festival. We're really looking at like, who are the artists here? What are they trying to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we kind of help support them in that? Let's talk about that for a minute, because I know the theme for this year is the future is here. So how does that translate to the criteria or themes that you're looking for, for what's submitted, what's what's approved for this festival? Yeah, I think part of that tagline came from us really wanting to, to highlight that the filmmakers that we platform here are what we see as the future of film, what we see as ways that we can continue to support the different ways that independent film is fostered and created. And for me, because I program the hometowner section of the festival, that to me is thinking a lot about what the future of film looks like here in Memphis, um, which I think is so bright and so incredible. Um, Filmmakers have been making work here for a really long time. And um, I think being able to see how that has really developed, even um, even just over my like four years working as a programmer at Indie Memphis, um, it's really beautiful to see the way that filmmakers here are so creative and independent. Um, I don't, I know Scrappy gets kind of like a bad rap, I think, but I think filmmakers here kind of feel that way that they're really figuring out what resources do I have, who do I know, who can I plug in um, to help me make this work, help me make this film happen. And I think that's part of the the future of filmmaking, like really thinking collectively, thinking outside of just like, how much money is this going to make me? But like, what am I trying to say? And who are the people who can make that happen with me? Yes, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about some of the challenges these independent filmmakers are facing. But talk to me, ladies, about um, what is unique about the Memphis film film scene here? What What is the unique factor for Memphis? I mean, Memphis as a whole is unique. So sure is. I feel like um, the different takes that you see um, from these films, uh, from Memphian filmmakers, is like none other in the nation. Uh, we have so many films that, I mean, they're like the narrative that they're pushing out, and, that, and that's one thing that I think the I think it was brilliant that the programming team came up with The Future Is Here. The narrative, the films that are coming out of Memphis, you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, you're not going to see the the same landscape. You're not going to see the bright colors. You're not going to mm-hmm. you're not going to hear the Memphis accent. Okay. You know, and you're not going to get shamed for it here either because no, we want to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're not going to see the Memphis swag. Let's let's be clear. We okay. have swag here, yes, right? Yes, we do. We, it's a certain way that we, you know, a certain way we walk, it's a certain way we hold our head high. You you get to see that and you especially get to see it um, with so many, uh, so much, so much of a diverse cast as well, mm-hmm. diverse crew, um, even some that are, you know, we're not even talking diverse. We're talking majority black, you know, people both before, both in front of the scenes and you know behind. So, 
those are things that it's really unique about Memphis and it's really beautiful to see those those ideas come together mm-hmm. and I, I agree with Kayla I think the word scrappy gets a bad rep but I also think that when you do when you are scrappy and especially in Memphis um, you see the creativity I think mm-hmm. we have some of the most creative minds um, here and we're finally we're finally seeing them get their voice out we're finally seeing them finding their filming swag right and putting mm-hmm. it together and being able to you know to, to ship it off to festivals and we're really grateful to be one of the platforms that can push forward our hometowners and also other films across the nation and the world yes would you say that indie memphis is a festival that's growing absolutely um we used to i mean okay indie memphis give quick history background right we started 1997 in the basement of Rhodes College. (laughs) And it was a group of college students that uh, had created some films and they wanted to see it somewhere. Mm -hmm. They wanted, so they created their own. Um, And initially we, it was so small, it was actually under another nonprofit, right? Um, Even though it had the name, um, then the name Indie Memphis came along initially, uh, eventually we, um, it was created into its own separate nonprofit. um, And to go from, you know, a one, I don't even think it was a full day, that, that initial screening, but this, this screening that was showing shorts at first in the basement of Rhodes College to now a six-day festival yes. spanned across, you know, Midtown and the Medical District. You know, like, it, it's definitely, it definitely has grown. Our programming has also grown as well. I mean, we have our festival, which is our signature event, but we're not just a film festival. We are an arts organization. So we have a youth program. We have our Black Creators uh, Forum program, which is starting to do things throughout the year. We have year-round screenings. Mm-hmm. So outside of the festival, we are providing uh, films to the Memphis community, some of which are free of charge or pay what you can, um, because we also want to make sure that those films are accessible to anyone, regardless of what you know regardless of what your bank account says you have right yes um we have um we have our artist development and so while we have our youth program that has you know mentorship and we're helping developing the kids and helping them um develop their voices through workshops you know and different things we also have our artist development which is focused for 18 and up because so often we'll have these programs for youth but sometimes you have adults that like me mm-hmm. <laughs> who had this whole other career is like wait a minute this isn't what i've this isn't all of what i want to do this isn't all i want to be known for mm-hmm. so how can i as an as a grown adult figure out how to do this without racking up thousands of dollars of debt by going to college you know mm-hmm. so we provide workshops and trainings um for our for our 18 and up filmmakers who want to figure out how to make a film, who who else is in Memphis that I can connect with? Because that's also something that can, you know, either make the experience, either make the filmmaking experience really great um, or hinder you is having a solid team behind you. Yes. And so we are very diligent in trying to make sure that we continue to keep those things running. So I definitely say that we, we have grown and I think it's beautiful to see us growing in the right direction. Yes. How has technology impacted uh, filmmakers today? Are you guys using AI? Like, what has changed in that aspect? Uh, I think um, filmmakers are definitely having, especially filmmakers if they're a part of the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, um, are really having to contend with um, 
making sure their own like creative work is protected and i think that's what a lot a good portion of the wga strike was about um, not all filmmakers are in the wga but i think it is something that regardless if you're union or if you're non-union which a lot of independent filmmakers aren't um they're having to to think about how am i protecting my work how am mm-hmm. i making sure that um ai isn't ai isn't using my work to be able to be trained and learn better i think for some filmmakers ai can be a tool it can be helpful in terms of like you know getting out of your own head and hearing seeing writing written in a different way um but i think especially for the wga and things like that it's really thinking about making sure that there are protections in place so we're not in a place where the writers will have to strike again or um filmmakers feel like their work is being stolen because to me i'm more interested in art and i think a lot of filmmakers are more interested in art made by human beings and made by people um, who've actually have lived experiences and actually have um, been through some of the things that art inspires them to do and so i think that's kind of one thing that filmmakers are having to really contend with recently and i think the strikes really brought that up i think of course there's also the side of like filmmakers having to balance do I need this super high-tech camera to do what I want to do or do I need um, all of these really expensive things Um, and some of the programming that Kamel was just talking about like shoot and splice is really meant to dispel or assist them and really figuring out okay what are the what are the baseline things you need to be able to make a film that you feel like looks the way you want it to um, so you can showcase it either with you know at a festival or at a screening or in a theater, um, really kind of breaking down some of the the language of film because I think once you get more involved in filmmaking, and I, get, I think in any industry there's all of this jargon, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of our programming, both with like year-round shoot and splice and in the Black Creators Forum, is about like what are all these words that people are using? How can I know what they're trying to say to me? Is this a way of like decreasing access or are we trying to make sure we're increasing access to people um so i think i don't know if camille you have anything else to add regarding technology but i think those are some of the things that filmmakers are especially having to contend with now well and also you know the good thing about technology it is so much more readily accessible at a lower cost than it used to be yeah so technically yes you can get your phone and make a movie um, and I will say that there are, I, the reason why I said technically is because sometimes when you see some films that say that, oh, I used a, I used an iPhone or I used uh, a camera with this, sometimes they're also using like other enhancements to help it as well. Um, but there, it is more, it is more accessible. Um, but I, I just to kind of, you know, touch back on what Kayla was saying, like when it comes to AI, the thing about it is that it's not, it's not that AI isn't helpful right it's just that as far as being an artist you definitely want to make sure that your work is protected films are hard Mm. films are are hard to make and so if you have someone who has written a script or you have someone that's even you know an actress and they've been practicing and going on these um you know different interviews and different you know different um auditions uh you just want to make sure that you know you are protecting yourself um and you're not giving someone access to utilize your work 
without you getting credit um, or getting paid for it, you know? And so that's what, that's what the industry is really just contending with. It's not mm, necessarily mm. A, a condemnation of AI, but it is, okay, we see this development in technology. How can we get ahead of the curve and make sure that we're all protected and we're all transparent in how we're utilizing AI so nobody feels exploited? And I really hope that, you know, any independent filmmakers listening to this you know, hopefully are thinking about that as well. Don't necessarily be afraid of AI, mm -hmm. but, you know, put yourself first and make sure that you're protected. And when you say protected, how are the the independent filmmakers protecting themselves? Is it a matter of getting a lawyer, getting Camille on the phone? <laughs> like, girl, what am I, what's going on with this AI? How can I protect <laughs> my, How are they protecting themselves um, from AI? Well... You can always, uh, if you're, if you've written a script, you can always copyright. Mm -hmm. um, you can always copyright um, your material, and you can do that through government website, um, and or, um, but I would I would say and, um, you can also do that through the WGA um, site as well. Um, okay. They allow you to register your scripts um, for a lower cost than the government. Um, and there are reasons behind that. Um, so yes, if, if anybody got questions about it, let me know. Um, <laughs> but um, you cannot go wrong with getting a lawyer involved. Right. I will say that. Um, and there are entertainment lawyers in town and there are also some entertainment lawyers that will take work pro bono. Mm. So do not be afraid of the lawyers. <laughs> They right, are, they are an ally. They are an ally, and they want to make sure that you know. They want to make sure that people are protected, and they're trained in that, right? Yes. Um, and as far as you know, I, well, that's one thing that we'll see what happens um, because one of the strikes has ended. The WGA, the WJGA strike, has ended. However, the SAG strike is still ongoing, and so that's something that we'll see what happens with that. Like, how are we protecting? Um, actors faces because mm. they make money yeah. that's how they make money they make yeah. money off of their physical ability you know to to say these lines to do these actions you know in these scripts how can we protect them so that their image isn't stolen mm -hmm. and it's used against their will and they're not paid for it you know that's what they're you know trying to contend with now and I don't have a I don't have a you know final thing for that we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with the negotiations but I am um, I'm confident that the I'm confident that the alliance and um, that SAG will find a deal a deal that protects everybody and a deal that will allow the industry to move forward. Do you think it will be soon? I mean, who would have thought so. it would have been this long, right? I don't think anybody could have predicted that. No, I'll be honest. <laughs> no. Uh, but I do think that it'll be soon. They just um, they just um, made a post, and I'll also say if anyone wants to tune in about the strikes. Uh, please feel free to go to the WGA East or WGA West, like their Instagrams or their website, and also go to the SAG AFTRA Instagram, official Instagram page or their website. They're literally putting out like daily updates about it if you want to tune in. Mm -hmm. And they just put out an update that said that they're taking a break, um, I think today, and then they're reconvening talks with the with the studios tomorrow yeah. so they gotta be hard on these actors out here and just looking at social media and some of them being very transparent about the pay that they have been receiving over mm. the years yeah. comparable mm -hmm. to other actors or you know it didn't expose a lot of things in different industries um you know with these 
corporations and uh, these leaders getting all these bonuses. It's just exposed everything, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, earlier this year, and this is all documented. I'm not saying anything that's not already in the news articles, but before the strikes happened, um, and that's something that's come up quite a bit, is that, like, some of the top leaders of some of these companies, like, were getting raises and bonuses and stuff. Mm. And so when you are in an industry with a reality like that, right, like you've got actors posting these residual checks that Mm -hmm. are coming in for less than a dollar. Penny. And then they see these news articles about these leaders getting multi-million dollar raises and stuff. It is gonna, you know, it's gonna have to force a real conversation. And so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that the conversations are occurring and I'm very hopeful that everybody's gonna find some resolve, hopefully the next few weeks. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I am in the studio live for Verbally Effective Podcast with none other than Camille Fryer and Kayla Myers with Indy Memphis. We're going to have to listen to some of our community partners real quick, but when we come back, we're getting into all the deets on this year's Indy Memphis Film Festival. Brought to you by Iris Collective, presenting Memphis native and violin phenomenon Randall Gooseby with New York Times best pianist Zhu Wong in concert October 28th at the University of Memphis, a pay-what-you-wish experience. Learn more about these rising stars at iriscollective.org. The Indie Memphis Film Festival returns to Midtown Memphis to celebrate Film for All from October 24th through the 29th with over 150 feature and short films, including world premieres, restored classics, award season hopefuls, and more. Tickets and passes are available now at IndieMemphis.org. Hey, hey, it's WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis, raised by sound. Your double E, Ina Esco, in the building for a live verbally effective podcast today with the ladies of indie memphis that's right camille fryer the executive director over there at indie memphis and kayla myers she is a programmer and over the black creators forum so ladies we have been chit-chatting about all things um film um we did hit on some of the details for the upcoming film festival which is october 24th through the 29th at various locations let's just start with the logistics because (laughs) we are sitting inside the crosstown concourse building and i understand that this is one of the venues for the films as well so tell me about the logistics of the event well you know crosstown kicks it off yes (laughs) you know how crosstown do Uh, crosstown um is the venue for our opening night film all that rose taste of salt and we're really excited to to be back at crosstown with that film Um, We're also at um, the majority of the venues will be within Overton Square. So Mm -hmm. Playhouse on the Square, um, Circuit Playhouse. We're back at Hattie Lou this year. Really excited to be back there. Um, And we're also at Studio on the Square. We have three screenings. Um, We'll be taking over three screens uh, with Malco Studio on the Square as well. Yes. Wow. So that's the logistics down pack. Let's talk about some of the type of films that you all are featuring this year like documentary shorts tell me about it yeah we have a a ride away so so many people if you have any any kind of taste um there's a lot available (laughs) um we have as you mentioned shorts which is a lot of what i oversee in the festival so we'll have hometowner shorts and then also shorts from filmmakers outside of memphis 
screening in person. A lot of those screenings will actually be at Hattie Lou. Um, and then we also have quite a few features. Some of them are independent features. Some of them are studio films. We're really excited to be able to bring to Memphis, um, such as May, December, which is a film by Todd Haynes that stars Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Okay. Miriam says it's like some of the best performances of the year. I like Natalie Portman. Me too. She's a good actress. Yeah. Yes. Um, then we have a few tributes that I'm really excited. We're doing a tribute to Keenan Ivory Wayans. Okay. And so, we're playing three of his films, including White Chicks, which is so fun to say. Yes. Um, White Classic. Chicks. Yes. She said fun to say. It is. I was so much fun <laughs> to tell people we're playing White Chicks. Um, and I'm going to get you, sucker. Um, it's oh, scary movie. It's scary movie. Yes. Um, and then we're also um, screening quite a few hometowner features that are world, pre- world premieres, um, including a documentary called I Am that's about how black women live with anxiety, how they cope, and kind of how they Ooh, thrive. Yeah. Um, that's a film by Jessica Cheney that's produced and edited by Amanda Willoughby that I'm really excited for us to get Amanda! to work. Yeah, I just worked with her at my podcast festival. She's amazing. She's wonderful. She uh, hey, Amanda. Shout out to Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so that's one from the we're really honored to world premiere. That'll be on Wednesday. Um, and then we also are... It's also another hometowner feature documentary called Juvenile about the experiences of young people kind of experiencing the juvenile system and kind of mm. how they also, you know, live and thrive um, post that experience. And I've heard from the filmmakers that a, a good amount of the participants in that film will actually be here in person. So it'll be wow. really beautiful um, to hear from them. Um, and then, like I said, we have some other kind of uh, we'll also have uh, Kamel mentioned All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt, which Raven, who's the director of that film, was a 2019 uh, Black Creators Forum screenwriting resident um, here in Memphis, and she spent time here working on the script for that film. Um, who was the judge? Uh, Barry Jenkins was the judge that year. Um, and <laughs> we're really honored to be able to bring Raven back to Memphis. And she'll also be having a conversation with Jomo Frey, who's her cinematographer, who's worked with her on her shorts. And then also this feature, they'll have a conversation in person. And then we'll also have the production designer from May, December, also here to talk about his work. He's worked on so many other shows like The Bear, um, Many things that if you just look to his resume, you'd be like, wow, this man is mm. talented. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and also, May, December is a film. Um, it's going to be released on Netflix uh, later this year. But we get to screen it first. May, December. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Uh, Dream Scenario is another yeah. another film that I'm excited to see um, because Nicolas Cage stars in it. Come on, Nicolas Cage. It's uh, it's a wild ride, so mm. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see that as well. Uh, but we just have so many uh, films. There's definitely something for everybody. I would say documentaries that I'm really excited about. In addition to I Am, um, Black Barbie. Um, okay, Black Barbie. Yeah. Well, we're screening a documentary that goes behind the the complicated history of uh, introducing yes. Black Barbie. You know, and and what that all, what 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 that all encompasses. Also, The Space Race, which is a documentary about black astronauts, engineers, um, just kind of showing them in a way that nobody, a lot of people haven't seen them before, and also really highlighting some of their names because there are a, lot of, a lot of them are unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Because yeah. only a couple of astronauts come to mind, and they're not black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Much yeah. needed. 
And I'll also highlight our our uh, tribute to hip hop. It's the 50th anniversary oh, yeah. of hip hop. Oh, we got some of that. Belly. We're playing, two, we're playing Belly Ooh, and that's Friday. A classic. And Friday. Oh, my. Friday. Yes. Friday's okay. playing on Friday. So, this um, be nice. yeah, those two films. Because we thought they, you know, as much as they're important to hip hop, they're also important to independent film. And I really want Hype Williams to direct another film, but that may never happen. I know. It's been a long Is time. he coming? Hype? You coming, Hype? <laughs> if, if he's listening, <laughs> right. come. Come on, please. Come on, Hype. Come on through. Now, um, you know, other than the films, the documentaries, the um, short films, the uh, studio films, there's more. There's live music, I hear. Mm-hmm. There are panels. There are... Uh, parties. Tell me about some of that action. Yeah, I mentioned two of the panels that we're having. We're having that conversation with Raven and Jomo, um, and then we'll have that conversation with Sam. And then we have a couple panels that we haven't announced yet that'll also be um, focused around craft roles in film. We really want to try and, um, especially because we've been thinking about the festival with the strike in mind, and so really trying to center. Um, the crafts people in film. So we have a couple of conversations that we'll announce fairly soon here that are centered around other aspects of that. Um, and then we will have live music. We're really excited to have that aspect of the festival. It's been a part of the festival for, I think, as long as it has existed, at least in this form, okay. um, because music is integral to uh, Indie Memphis is in- integral mm-hmm. to Memphis. We have very a, integral to Memphis. A sounds category in the festival because okay. of that. Um, that's focused on like music films, music documentaries, um, and so that'll be a part of certain screenings. We'll have usually um, Memphis-based musicians play the twenty or so minutes as people come into the theater um, and really kind of set the mood for each screening. Um, and I love that part of it. It's so fun to see who is performing before each screening that's usually some musicians some djs um things like that well select screenings select screenings yeah yes yeah wow and then we are we are having some parties as well so yes the parties where are the parties how did it work come on well open at night we are having a vip party so you gotta get a vip pass i think that's the party i'm coming to that's the one you come to (laughs) (laughs) open at night um, we, we also have things throughout the week. I mean, we've got karaoke. We've got um, a laid back um, hangout at Hampline Brewery. Um, and um, I feel like we're, we're doing some a few other things. Yeah, there'll be another sort of reception party on Sunday. Yep. Um, and then those who have who are part of the Black Creators Forum who've registered to be a part of the symposium will have their own gathering. But I think you hit... All of okay. the, all of the parties. You ladies are gonna be busy. Yeah. Very. Yeah, yes. That week is stacked up. Very, very. <laughs> and I actually forgot uh, to mention um, one other documentary that um, I'm really excited about: The Spirit of Memphis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It highlights um, Claiborne Temple. Um, oh and The history wow. behind Claiborne yes. Temple. And the executive director Anasa, Anasa helped was produce just it here last mm-hmm. week. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, she's in it. Yes. She is in it. That's gonna be amazing. And I and I will say, you know, like it's there's so many films that we're really excited about. So mm-hmm. I really hope that uh, you know people come out. And if you have any questions, and you know what kind of genres you guys you know usually tend to lean towards. Um, if I have time, I'll give some suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we didn't even lot. talk about any of the. 
there's quite a few horror films that we're playing too. We're kind of we're kind of near Halloween. Well, you know, one um, had a very short stint in Memphis last year. Queen Rising. With um, Henry Reeves. Yeah. The Henry, yes, I remember that. Yep. So uh, that so we are screening Queen Rising. Okay. So if you didn't get a chance to see it last year, or even if you did and you liked it, come on out. Um, we're also screening The Reaper Man. The Reaper Man is another hometowner feature mm-hmm. by Jen Jaron Lockwidge. Um, then we're also screening. We have um, a member of the jury who's helping us uh, program some of the films that we're a part of the 80s and 90s horror series that the Criterion Collection did. So we're playing a couple Dario Argento um, horror films. So the horror fans out there listening will be really excited to see some of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah I think that's most of our, there's probably some other horror things that we're forgetting to mention. There's a Hometowner After Dark block, yeah. which I think is really incredible. And those shorts are all very different. Um, but that's a block that always has a really strong audience at the yeah. festival. So. Highly encourage folks to come out to that too. And oh, wow. to our hometowner Doc Shorts. Um, so I know that there, I think it was last year, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of coverage about one of the shorts in there called Slice. Um, and so we're, Slice is finished. We're screening mm-hmm. Slice. We're really excited about it. Um, Slice. Uh, made by uh, Zaire. Um, and then we're also uh, screening another short of hers called Edo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Edo was made by a grant, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. Edo, Edo is, uh, Zaire is a really wonderful, amazing filmmaker, and she does have two shorts in the festival, as Kamel just mentioned. One of those is Slice, which is about the slicing, the way that Memphis, um, these particularly these Memphis-like black men have developed this style of diving. In the that, pool. In the yeah. pool. That yes. is, that, <laughs> I'm sure many folks have seen videos of, and it's really, yes, it's, we it's, have. it's a skill. There's a certain way you like put your body in the pool. I don't think I could do it. The way that they do it, I'm, right. I It looks like them. they slam and they hitting yeah. their water hard. Right. They are. Right. And so <laughs> that's what Slice is about. And then Edo is a film that, she that was supported by our women's grant that Zaire um, won that is about um, just in, the Edo comes from ghetto and just kind of a uh, mm. thing that Zaire has been saying a lot with this film is just that ghetto girls deserve good things mm-hmm. and that is really what Slice Edo is all um, about and it's it's so beautiful and so colorful and mm-hmm. um, I encourage you to follow Zaire on Instagram it'll pop up if you Google her and you can see some of the images yeah. that she's created for this but those are um, two shorts that are in our um, hometowner narrative short and hometowner documentary short mm-hmm. blocks that are both just Edo is so incredible I think about it every day it's so good <laughs> it sounds like some good quality storytelling going on mm-hmm. in yeah. this film festival the future is here right mm-hmm. yeah. and it sounds like that you ladies have actually watched everything that we're about to watch I, I've i watched a good amount of it yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> she has I'm trying to catch up you're um, trying to catch up well because last year you know, last year was my first time uh, going to the film festival as executive director. Mm-hmm. I've always been able to go as a participant or as a, you know, or as a filmmaker that has a short in there. Oh, well, no, no, because last year was my first year with it. And so it was actually, I was a little nervous. I wasn't even was sure nervous. if I was going to see my own short. Oh, wow. Um, you had to. <laughs> you had a bit of that Q&A. It would have gone over to you. I mean, oh, my gosh. It, it would have been, it would have been crazy, but... Um, but yeah, so I didn't think about the fact that like I was gonna be ridiculously busy. 
Mm. Um, and so I only got to see, I got to see my, I got to see my short block. And my short was uh, in the hometown or after dark. And oh, then good. I got to see St. Omer. Those are only two films. <laughs> so you used to love being a participant. Yeah, I had to look. They had to kick me out of uh, the BCF virtual chats last year. They're like, uh, Cabell, we we need you to do some work. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm like, but I want to listen. They're like, we'll record it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but that's amazing. But that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm catching up on the stuff now because I already know during the festival I'm gonna be running around crazy. But yeah. it's such good. Pro- programming and that's one thing that I really hope anyone listening uh, really takes from it you know we have really strong really quality storytelling um, you know visual storytelling like in these films so whether you're talking whether you're watching a film from an experienced director or you're watching a film from uh, someone who's uh, debuting their very first directorial debut. Like, mm-hmm. these are going to be strong quality projects. So yeah. um, be prepared for that. Come ready and, you know, come watch some great films. Come watch some great film. Indie Memphis, how can everyone access tickets? So we have our website, um, IndieMemphis.org, I-N-D-I-E, Memphis.org. And um, you can get um, select tickets. So if you don't want to get a pass, you can get uh, specific tickets for certain screenings. Um, My rule of thumb, though, if I usually want to see at least three or four films, I just go ahead and get a pass Mm -hmm. um, because it's uh, more cost effective. (laughs) To be honest, it's more cost effective and you get so much with being a pass holder. Like. Um, in addition, we didn't even bring this up with the screenings, but in addition to having the panels and the live music, we also have like a hospitality space. So all pass holders can access the hospitality spaces that we, that we are having one in the Playhouse Cafe and then the other one on the rooftop of the Playhouse. Mm, La la. And, um, and so, you know, with their, with your passes, you get, um, you get to see a select number of films it depends on the level of passes that you get, but you also get access to a lot of these different spaces. There are some of the parties that we have are pass holder parties, so you get access to that. Um, if you get the VIP pass, you not only get that and you get access to the VIP party, but you also get you know free drinks, you know, the whole week. So. We like free drinks. You we know, like free drinks. it's not not a bad thing to do. <laughs> you know, you gotta pace yourself, but. But yeah, you yes. get you get these you know you get these VIP um, experiences that that you don't get if you just get one ticket. So um, yes. so yeah, so go to the website. Um, we have a very we have a few um, sites that are connected to it that will show you that give you a breakdown of what you get with each pass. We also have a how to fest page. Um, because you've never come to a film festival, it can feel a little daunting. Like, mm. what do I expect? Yeah. Um, but one thing that I will say, and I will hang my head um, on this about Indie Memphis, we really do try to think, um, we try to be very intentional about our audiences, not just our audiences that are used to us, but also, you know, people who maybe have never visited a film festival before but just want to do something different so we have a how-to fest page that explains a lot of things that are kind of specific to the film festival that you might have questions on 
And also, if anyone has any other questions or if you have any issues with the website or anything, please feel free to reach out. I promise you, all of us are around our our emails around the clock, and we we're friendly. We don't bite. You you ladies are very friendly. <laughs> I have really been enjoying you here today on Verbally Effective Podcast. Um, do you ladies frequent other film festivals around the country and the world? And bring we some did. of that back to yeah. Indy Memphis. We took Miami early. We did. Oh, <laughs> Miami. We went to the American Black Film Festival in Miami mm-hmm. in June. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we try to go to as as many as possible because it's one just a way to like see how other people do things. What ways can we kind of learn from folks, but also meet filmmakers? Um, and I think that has been really vital, especially us going into the ABFF together was really a chance. Like, Kamel was able to kind of do her magic in terms of connecting with people, and then I was able to also connect with filmmakers, but watch films. Um, and so that's really, we try to as much as possible. I haven't been out of the country yet for a film festival, mm-hmm. but Miriam, our artistic director, has been to a few um, internationally. She's been to Cannes in France, mm-hmm. um, has been able kind of bring back some of that knowledge sometimes it's like things we should do sometimes it's things we should not do ways that um (laughs) we can learn from mistakes that people have made at other film festivals especially in that piece that camille is talking about in terms of accessibility and how to fest and things that um because getting around a film festival not every film festival is as you know accessible as ours is we're in a lot of the same locations that are in a really close space and so yeah. going to other festivals seeing how they arrange themselves is really helpful for us to make our festival as um, strong and as good an experience as possible and we also went to Sundance earlier this year okay. and we actually have quite a few films that premiered at Sundance so in oh, addition wow. to Alder Rose Taste of Salt Mommy Wata yeah. is a is a film that we specifically saw um, at Sundance and actually even throughout the year um, Kayla and Miriam have been able to like bring back some films that premiered at Sundance and for anyone who um, is unfamiliar with Sundance there there's like five top film festivals in the world Sundance is one of them and it's located in the U.S. in Park City Utah Mm -hmm. and so we were able to go there and bring some of these films back in one of the top film festivals and bring them back to Memphis. Amazing so wow now Camille this is this question is for you as the executive director over there at Indie Memphis how will you measure the success of the festival under your leadership? What goals are you putting in place? I measure success by by really looking. It's that's a difficult question <laughs> because um, I mean, naturally, I'm a numbers person, mm-hmm. right? So naturally, I want to see okay, how many people came in how how many how much ticket sales did we generate but it goes deeper than that you know it really kind of comes down to like when you're talking to patrons um how are they talking about their experiences Mm -hmm. how are they talking about our organization when they leave you know is it in a highlight you know is is, is it in a positive light or is it um you know something not so great you know something that we need to work on um and so I've learned that um that's one thing that I mean, I knew before, but definitely in this position in the nonprofit, you have to measure success um, by more than just numbers. Yes. You got to look at the a holistic. Intangible things. Yeah, you got to look at a holistic, um, you know, a holistic approach. Um, like, for instance, one of our one of our things is our micro cinema. It's a pay what you can. 
And um, so, as you can imagine, it's not a moneymaker, right? Mm -hmm. But one thing that we know, like, even some of these films that we're putting out there, whether it's micro cinema, whether it's films in the festival, a lot of our films are pushing people out of their comfort zone. They're making people think about things that maybe they hadn't before. And how do people respond to that? Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we've seen this year, especially, um, and I would say maybe even uh, last year and years prior, but definitely this year is people being glad that they came. You know, whether they donated or not, you know, people coming to us, stopping us and being like, I'm so glad that you're doing this. This is amazing. I love this film. Or asking us, what's this filmmaker's name? You know, because they want to follow them and they want to follow that filmmaker on their journey. Um, So that's a hard question because we have to look at all of those uh, those things. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Ladies, thank you so much. Any final words? that you want to share with the verbally effective audience right here on WYXR about the Indie Film Festival, about maybe there's someone out there that wants to create a film, don't know about the resources that you all provide. Any final words? Well, I would say first, I hope that we get to see many of you who are listening at the festival. We're excited and really excited to hopefully welcome as many people as possible and welcome filmmakers from out of town and welcome our hometowner filmmakers um, into these spaces to present their work and I think as Kamel mentioned earlier we aren't just a film festival there's work that we do year-round she mentioned micro cinema which I program year-round um, and then we also have our shoot and splice program which mm-hmm. is another program that's meant for filmmakers maybe they went through our youth program or maybe they haven't been through any of our programming but it's to introduce some of these concepts of filmmaking from like cinematography to intimacy coordination to how do you work with actors um, we have a lot of those programming that programming throughout the year. And we also have grants that we also have throughout the year um, for filmmakers to apply to to make largely shorts. Um, but some of those shorts have become features. I Am was an indie grant project that started as a short and then they felt like they had so much to work with. They expanded it to a feature. But yeah, and we're always here. Our emails are on the website. We're here for any especially after the festival, um, please, please <laughs> reach out to us. And we're happy to welcome folks into our office and just talk through any of the questions that you have, um, any of the people that we can connect you with. Like, I'm happy to talk with as many people as possible because I want more people, and especially black filmmakers and other filmmakers of color, to really have the access to these things to make the art that they want to make. So, Gotcha. I just want to leave with, I'm so happy to be here. This is so great. I'm so happy you ladies are here. And, you know, I'm really excited about this festival. I'm excited um, to to have the opportunity to tell more people about what we're doing um, because we do such great work. And so thank you for allowing us the opportunity to get more word out about us and this, this great program that we're doing. Um, and I also hope, I echo what Ke- what Kayla said, you know, I really hope that the people listening um, are intrigued and want to tune in. Um, we have, I promise you, we have several films for everybody. Yeah. Um, several great quality films for everybody. It and sounds very diverse from, from what we've <laughs> yes. been discussing today. <laughs> yes. And so, so yes, yeah, so I'm really excited uh, to see you guys' faces and, uh, and you know, really excited to, to kick off the festival. 14 days. Yes, and 14 days. (laughs) Y'all ready? (laughs) Kayla rolled her eyes at me, (laughs) y'all. She rolled her eyes so hard. Oh, my 
you can tell when people work together and they have a good relationship, a good working relationship. That would be these two ladies over here with Indie Memphis. I want to thank you ladies so much for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I know Indie Memphis Film Festival will definitely be a huge success this year. Thank you. Yes, and thank you all for sharing so much information about it. You guys, make sure you go and get your tickets. The website is IndieMemphis.org. Get them today. I want to thank Kamel Fryer for joining me today, the executive director over there at Indie Memphis, and Kayla Myers, programmer over there at Indie Memphis. And thank you all for tuning in yet again to another spectacular edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast.